Welcome to Win the Future, a podcast where we chat with folks who are tackling the most significant challenges our communities face today to make for a better tomorrow. I'm your host, Brett Broster. This is episode number 10. Hello and welcome to Win the Future. I'm your host, Brett Broster, and we are here today with Rich Lepresti, who is the principal at Milestone Asset Management Group, and all-around great guy. And Rich, welcome to the program. All right. Thank you, Brett. Thanks for having me. Ah, pleasure's all on this side of the mic. Thanks for being on. To start, let's talk a little bit about investing. So a lot of people are at home right now in the midst of COVID, investing online probably more than the average person would in a regular time. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, there's definitely uh, apparent trends that are out there that have been accelerated by COVID. You know, uh, you can look to your friends and see what they're doing, what actions and stuff that they're taking. But, uh, you know, some of the investment themes that I've been seeing is is everything's online, right? So you're now shopping online, you're now buying everything else online, dinner included. And then um, retail, uh, the cars, people are buying a lot more cars, used cars, because they don't want to take public transportation. Um, Anything from medical stocks uh, are also uh, taken off as well in hopes of uh, a vaccine. So definitely a lot of trends, but you know, I, I try to maybe focus more on global trends outside of COVID, uh, kind of a, a COVID-proof strategy, if, if you will. Interesting. So what elements go into a COVID-proof investing strategy? Well, there's a, there's a gentleman that I, I based my philosophy and thesis on, a gentleman by the name of Hans Rosling. Uh, he has written a book called Factfulness, and he's done uh, a lot of TED Talks. He's done a lot of TED Talks on global numbers. So again, with the proliferation of people moving everything online, believe it or not, there's only four, four and a half uh, billion people online right now in the world. Uh, if we average up, there's about 8 billion people in the world. So uh, a lot of room for growth there. So want to base things on big markets, global markets, where uh, markets are bigger than your local market, right? So the bigger the addressable market is, the more room for, for growth and business potential for a specific company. Got it. So obviously, we're all at home, we're on our phones, maybe even more so than we're on our laptops. But with that in mind, apps like Robinhood and others are being used a lot. Can you talk a little bit about what that's kind of doing to the market and how bringing in new investors based on mobile usage uh, is impacting certain sectors? Sure. Well, these investing apps actually have been around for a pretty long time. Um, Robinhood, the one you, you mentioned, has been around, I think, 10, 11, 12 years. It's not until recently uh, that CNBC woke up to it and now uh, people are coined the term Robin Hooders, if you will. But there's a lot of other apps that are out there uh, like Stash and SoFi, um, even Square, uh, which is uh, Jack Dorsey, uh, founder of Twitter. He started that. That's the Cash app and PayPal as well. So some of these apps that have 
millions and millions of users have just gave, just basically gave people access to investing in stocks and also uh, cryptocurrency as well, which is a which is another theme that is a global theme as well, which which I like. And there's limited supply, and when you have lots of demand and easy access, whether you even have a clue about what Bitcoin is, it's there's a lot of demand out there for it. So. Um, I think these apps have changed the landscape a little bit, uh, forcing some of the older legacy financial players to shift their strategies um, because these these apps um, don't charge commissions for trades. So the likes of Fidelity and E-Trade and Schwab and those those guys have been lowering and lowering their um, trading commissions, which used to be hundreds of, hundreds of dollars years ago to maybe $9.99 about a year ago, and now it's free as well. So it's also changing the landscape there as well for some of the legacy players. As the effect on stocks, well, um, they make it pretty and easy for people to invest in uh, companies that these apps put at the forefront of the app, <laughs> and they're typically companies that they, they know and use, so it's easy for them to have access to them. So, um, you know, uh, does it cause volatility? Does it is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I think it's a good thing. Nice. No, and and within that scope, um, tech stocks are obviously the the big uh, headline grabber these days. Can you talk a little bit about the what you see in the consolidation of that industry and how it's impacting the market? Yeah, well, I think the the big tech stocks are going to continue to to grow um, as they have been growing. So your Facebooks, your Amazons, your Googles, Microsofts of the world. Uh, if you want to go globally, you can look at the Alibabas and Tencents of the world. But these platforms are just going to continue to get get bigger and bigger. Obviously, there's some risks with government intervention, but you know the government just really wants to find these companies and then uh, give them a slap on the wrist and take take some profits for the, the government. But uh, if they change regulation for some of these uh, companies, such as you know Amazon or Google, for different types of practices of stealing people's identities or buying habits or putting their products in favor of other people's products, it's it's quite quite interesting because because again it's they're they're doing things on such a large scale that um, it's <laughs> they're not, they're not going to be stopped. So, for instance, Amazon is getting sued by the EU. Uh, because of selling their um, Amazon Prime uh, products, I forget that what the what they call them, uh, the specific brand. But there's a study that's been done that Amazon basically sells one percent of their own products on on Amazon.com, compared to if you go to shopping, say at an Aldi, it's at 50, 60 percent. If you go to Trader Joe's, they're selling 85 percent of their own. So. There's a lot of use cases out there for them to argue. So, uh, you know, they're just going to get bigger and bigger. And with the COVID times, last quarter, they spent $4 billion, which was their profit on COVID proofing their business. So uh, as you probably see, Brett, going outside and everywhere you turn your head, you see an Amazon Prime vehicle uh, moving by you. So uh, I think they're, they're doing pretty well. With that, so combined with the proliferation of a lot of new investors getting onto these uh, apps and and uh, platforms. Are there things you would recommend looking out for? As far as trading goes or specifically? Yeah, sorry. Uh, maybe um, not only look 
look out for on the upside, but also on the downside as as folks might be jumping into something too quickly, what to be careful of? Yeah, well, you definitely uh, don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. I mean, that's that's something, you know, your mother probably said and her mother's mother said, but that's, you know, tried and true. You don't want to put everything in, in one given stock or company. I mean, you, you know, obviously you could say, hey, let me put all my money into Apple. I love Apple. I love the products. I love the services. I know they have different things that are coming down the pike, but you never know if, if someone could, could overtake them at some point or if something changes there within that company. So again, you don't want to put all your eggs in, in one basket, but you know, you could diversify your, your portfolio by having a core, a core portfolio. Uh, typically in the past, you would listen to, to someone like Warren Buffett. He says, you know, invest in the S and P 500. You know, that's what I would do, but Warren Buffett doesn't even invest in the S and P 500. But the index that I would invest in is, is the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ index, I feel, is more attuned to what's going on in today's world. And I can get into a number of reasons why, but that will give you broad diversification in uh, tech stocks. And it just doesn't mean tech stocks, that the technology that you have in your hand, but technology as far as medical technology is concerned. I mean, everything pretty much is, is technology. It's newer companies. It's not the old stodgy value companies that are trying to catch up to, um, you know, the new world. Uh, an example of that would be Ford and GM. Uh, I have one of my clients at Ford. He worked at Ford and said back in 1993, they wanted to develop an EV uh, electronic vehicle, but decided against it back in 93. And look what they're doing now. They're putting billions and billions and billions of dollars in what is it? It's 2020. You know, about 10, 15 years after Tesla has invested in, you know, cutting edge tech technology for the EV and, and they're trying to play catch up now. So the NASDAQ has uh, the companies that are, again, kind of first movers in a lot of these different areas. So I would say use that, uh, the NASDAQ as as your core. Nice. And even with, I mean, it's, it's such an odd market in the way that um, even with Ford's failure to... Uh, um, move into the EV market quickly. They have the, the Mach-E coming out, the hybrid vehicle, and they, they made, it seems like they made some cuts early on um, in the, this year to, uh, that, that have resulted in kind of increase in their stock, right? Yeah, I mean, the stocks are doing, starting to do well, you know, GM, Ford, you know, those guys, but and you wanna go broad, kind of get that diversification, and then you can go into different themes. But not only invest in, in EVs, right? So now you have Ford, you got GM, you have all these different Chinese companies, Fisker and uh, Neo. But you want to kind of lift up the hood literally and, and invest in the technology behind it. Um, you know, similar to like your cell phone. Well, what, what makes your cell phone? You know, it's the cloud. It's the lithium battery, just like the car. Well, you know, you can invest in lithium and copper. All of these things are going to be needed uh, once there's a spike in EVs. Because I don't know about you, but I don't mind having a self-driving car at all, let alone electronic vehicle, uh, just because it's going to be a lot safer than me driving my car, um, even though I'm a good driver. Well, no, no, and I would imagine in some of these test markets, because less people have been on the road driving to work since people have been working from home, that um, rather there's something like 50 test, test markets across the country, I think Stanford's even one of them, where... Um, they've been able probably to accelerate the tests yeah. due to having 
um, more barren roadways. The point is to get ahead of the curve um, as far as the investments, because investments are more, more forward looking. So, um, you know, as they say in hockey, you got to skate to where the puck is going, you know, not, not where it is. <laughs> nice. Like it. Well, Rich, we're going to take a quick break. And once we come back, we'll be here for the second part with Rich Lepresky, who is the principal at Milestone Asset Management. Win the Future is sponsored in part by Connecticut by the Numbers. If you're looking to learn more about what's happening and why, check out Connecticut by the Numbers, where every number tells a story. Connecticut by the Numbers goes beyond the headlines across the state. For Connecticut news that counts, visit ctnumbers.news or follow them at ctnumbers. Hi, everybody. We're back for the second part of episode 10 with Rich Lepresti, who is the principal at Milestone Asset Management Group. Quick caveat here um, for you that this isn't investment advice. It's we're talking trends, we're talking education, but not not, uh, advisement. Within the education realm, can you talk a little bit about the difference between an index fund, an ETF, and a stock for folks who might be new to investing? Sure. Well, well, index fund is would be an index, so it's going to be invested in a certain area of, of, of the market. Um, the most common index is the S&P 500. Um, there's a ticker for it, SPY. But there's also the NASDAQ, which is uh, QQQ is, is the index, and also the Dow Jones, which is DIA. But you basically can get an index within an ETF, which is an exchange-traded fund, for for pretty much any area of the market, both domestically and and internationally, um, you could typically buy an index or an index fund, which is a mutual fund. But mutual funds uh, are kind of the old school investing. That's kind of you know mutual funds were invest, invented back in the the, the late fifties, sixties, um, <laughs> and the, the new evolution of that is is the exchange traded fund. Um, it's a lot cheaper. It's a lot more transparent. You actually own. Uh, your cost basis and your positions uh, as opposed to the mutual fund where you don't. Um, but, you know, individual stocks, obviously, it's just going to, you're going to be invested in a company um, or, you know, if you invest in a company like Berkshire Hathaway, well, you're investing with Warren Buffett. He's investing in multiple companies. So there's some diversification there. But typically, if you just buy Apple or Google, or Amazon, you're just buying, obviously, that individual company and what, what they, what they do, even though they could do multiple things like those companies do. I hear people talk a lot about how the lifts, the Ubers, maybe uh, other companies specifically in the tech space who, um, haven't seen profit margins yet their stock price continues to rise. Uh, can you talk a little bit about, uh, just high level, why that could be the case? Yeah, well, it's, well, the market is is forward thinking. So the market is typically ahead of where you know the trend, or it's kind of predicting where the trend is going. So they're looking at the addressable markets of of Uber and Lyft and the technology that they have developed, which basically brought their industry into the next generation. Right. So. You know, taxis have been around for, for forever. I mean, you can kind of hail a cab if you're in a major city or call for a car service. But, you know, what Lyft and, and Uber do, you just kind of have your phone and, and someone's someone's going to pick you up. Um, and with COVID, right, so the, the Uber Eats, uh, DoorDashes of, of the world, well, now they're also going to be bringing you food. 
Um, also, those types of companies with the logistics, because they're basically logistic companies, will also provide possibly you know the you know the the, the last mile, if you will, of, of different goods and services that you might have bought from Amazon per se. So there could be a lot of synergies with say an Amazon and, and an Uber or an Amazon and a Lyft um, for them to figure out that last that last mile, if you will, because they want to get. I want to click a button now, get a cigar and have it delivered here in five minutes. You know, they were going to, you know, Amazon might use drones, but they might be able to use a Lyft driver as well. So there's other potential or addressable markets for them. Uh, second reason why you've actually seen a spike is because in California, they wanted to make their workers permanent workers. Uh, so they would have to give them health care, 401k benefits and such. But since they're still classified as temporary workers, there's not a lot of overhead for, for Uber or Lyft to have these people. They don't need to actually pay them. They're using their own cars and such. So, um, you know, their workforce can be you, could be me, could be anybody at any time, but it doesn't cost them anything uh, until they get in that car and drive. So, um, you know, these companies do have debt because of developing their technology, but their business model... <laughs> You know, if they can eliminate that debt, is is just going to be a cash cow. Got it. You know, um, last piece is, I mean, Uber has been developing self-driving cars as well, and they actually wanted to, you know, eliminate <laughs> the driver altogether. Um, but you know, who knows, you know, what's going to come to fruition there? But it's a race, and again, that's why you stay diversified. You know, if you like the, the certain space, you 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 buy multiple people in that space. You know, the number one, number two, number three companies. Nice. Well, Rich, this has been amazing and really um, insightful, educational. Um, any last words, thoughts you wanna you wanna add? Well, I mean, investing is is investing for the longer term. You can't you can't look at your portfolio every day if you're invested in the right places and spaces and the right themes, and you're kind of skidding to where the puck is. You're you're going to be in a good spot unless something changes. So you got to have patience. Um, if you're going to open a position in, in a company or a stock or an ETF, you know, don't put it all in, in one day. You can, you can wait and kind of, you know, buy some this month, buy some next month. It's kind of a, it's, it's not a marathon. It's, you know, it's, it, it is a marathon. It's not a, not a quick race. Rich, can you talk a little bit about the self-driving cars ETF scenario? I know we talked a little bit offline exchange traded funds can give you broad diversification in the whole entire market but you can actually be invested in subsectors of the market as well through different exchange traded funds and typically how i like to structure my portfolio broadly i would like to have broad diversification in the indexes and in the right indexes uh, based on momentum and then be in the right sectors but then also the right subsectors and the right stock so Self-driving cars or electronic vehicles or technology. So it's a technology company. So you would be, if you're invested in the QQQs, you would have some exposure to that because, you know, the Googles of the world are in there. But what you want to do is put on another layer of that. You want to be invested in that subsector. And there's a couple of different subsectors of that. Um, one is, like I mentioned before, is the like the... Under the hood, the lithium, the copper. So there is an ETF called LIT, L-I-T. So you can actually buy a lot of the miners 
that are actually in this ETF or the people who are developing lithium ion batteries in this one um, ETF called LIT, L-I-T. And if you want to have more exposure to you know, a specific company, well, then you could put buy a Tesla on top of that. Or you can buy uh, ALB, which is Albemarle, which is, is a big lithium provider. But just buying that one ETF will give you broad, broad exposure. Um, and with, I don't want to get into politics, but you know, with the new uh, president coming in, this area is even more favorable. And the, the lit ETF, I believe, moved from forty dollars a share to over fifty dollars a share within the matter of uh, a few few weeks. So, pretty pretty interesting there. So, but there's also a separate. ETF you can buy. There's multiple ones that you can buy, but one is called iDrive, um, and that has a lot of the different ETFs that are uh, ETF individual companies that are in there that are in the space. So it gives you broad broad diversification there. So just a, a, a way to structure a portfolio for you know maximum op optimization and, and risk management. Let's talk about a little bit more personal here. So you grew up in Staten Island. So I grew up in Staten Island. How did you make your way to Connecticut? I lived there uh, my entire life uh, until I became, I guess, what you call an adult. I went to school, went away to uh, Pace University, and never went back home to Staten Island and moved moved to Connecticut. But um, you know, been in the industry for for twenty years. I do have my CFP, Certified Financial Planner. I'm a certified wealth strategist, but I have you know over twenty years of experience. In the industry, uh, mostly worked in Manhattan, uh, big big financial uh, service firms, and then towards the latter part of my early career, I was working for more boutique investment management firms that just kind of dealt with um, you know high high net worth clients. And for the past few years, have my own practice you know here in the Milford, you know four minutes away from from my house. So, um, you know. And this this time, um, and with with your current uh, position, isn't the first time you're working from a, a home, right? When one of the boutique firms you worked at was at a um, was it a Brooklyn? Uh, I was in uh, in Tribeca, so it was in a penthouse, uh, top top two floors of a penthouse in Tribeca, you know. And, but it was also a two and a half hour commute. But you know, now I'm working, you know, I have, have my office, I can work from home, I can basically work from anywhere. But the difference is, is now I'm not beholden to any products or services that a financial firm has to offer. So I've taken everything I learned from the industry, from the different places I worked, and, you know, finally have a working thesis and I'm able to help clients the way that I want to help them. Um, you know, mostly I deal with folks or assist folks that are approaching retirement in retirement. You know, still helping them grow their assets, you know, to combat inflation and taxes and all that fun stuff, but also to let them get the money out of the account so they can actually enjoy it. Because money isn't everything, but it's it's a means to pretty much everything else. So, you know, that's kind of one subset. And the younger subset is, you know, I'm 42 years old. So, I you know, I work with, with people my age that seem to have an inkling to invest, but haven't uh, in the past. But, you know, they now have a budding interest to do so. Um, you know, uh, this this past year or so, been seeing a big increase in the you know the young entrepreneur, go getter type of person who's you know started a family and and now and now wants to take saving for the future more serious. <laughs> and Rich, what what other domestic trends are you seeing that might be um, 
a little outside of what somebody would be seeing in the headlines? Well, I mean, you know, the way I, I like to, to look at investing or themes is you kind of look inward at, at, at yourself and see what you're doing. You know, are you going to, to Starbucks every day or, you know, are you using your phone every day? So I, I like to say, you know, what products and services do you use and are your friends using those? And then also looking under the hood. So, right. So everybody has an iPhone or, or an Android phone, but what makes that phone that phone work? Right. So another theme is the cloud. Right. So everything is in the cloud now. So WCLD is a, a ticker for cloud ETF or Sky SKYY is, is another one. But those are focused on cloud companies. But what are cloud companies specifically? Well, they help make your phone go from your app like Zoom. You know, obviously everybody is Zooming. So that's been a major trend. But what's behind that? So there is different companies that make the web work. Um, easier like Akamai technology, they make it smoother so the data goes through or a company, we'll talk about ticker symbols, Datadog, D-D-O-G, or Fastly, which is a, is a stock, F-S-L-Y, and they're actually behind the technology for, for TikTok, making the TikTok app work. But more importantly, that's kind of one side. The other side is, well, where is the cloud? You know, do I look up to the sky and the stars? Is it is it up there? No, the cloud is not up there. The cloud is is real estate. So there's real estate companies. Um, uh, ones Equinix, CoreSight Realty. There's a bunch of them that are out there, but what they are is data centers. So in those data centers, they connect the internet. They connect everything. So their customers are Amazon. Those customers are Google. Uh, you know, Sony, the PlayStation, Xbox. They utilize these people uh, for growth. So these are some people behind the scenes, and, and these guys are growing tremendously as people utilize more of the internet. As we move to 5G, the more more data, the more it moves. So that's kind of one component. And the other component is, well, what are these machines inside these data centers? So you know, a lot of the semiconductors, which is a, another good uh, ticker, SOX, the SOX is a semiconductor. Uh, index kind of interesting. So, so these are different areas kind of behind the curtain as well, or or some trends that people might not realize. Uh, you know, because you hop in your car, but you don't know really how it works, right? So it's kind of kind of the same thing with your your cell phone. Within the COVID sphere, there's been a lot of consolidation, specifically in the retail space, as uh, commercial real estate's had had a tough time. Uh, and I just saw that. Alta has struck a deal with Target to have stores within the store, within Target stores throughout the country. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's an interesting one because even though you're inside, you're still online and you're going to still be projected out to the world. So you're, you're going to want to have your ultimate beauty shown, no pun intended there for Alter Beauty, but... Yeah, you, know, you can be on Snapchat and you have your filters and your screens, but hey, you're still going to want to have your, your makeup done, your hair looking well. So, you know, that vanity space is is a good space and probably a great move for Target and definitely a good move for, for Ulta. And that's, you know, one of the stocks I have my clients in. Nice. Do you see a lot of, a lot more of that happening or what trends do you see as folks are remaining at home and companies have, are having a difficult time? keeping their commercial real estate uh, footprint. Yeah, well, it's tough. I mean, you see that with uh, the malls and such, and, you know, they're trying to reinvent themselves to put uh, 
condos and into mall spaces. And, you know, prior to that, they were they were struggling as well. And they were trying to put uh, event uh, places such as um, uh, Dave and Buster's and trying to make the, the mall a, a place to go for for an event. Uh, but now it's kind of accelerated again. So, I mean, only time will tell who's going to survive and who's going to thrive. But uh, you definitely need to have an online business as well. Well, Rich, we're going to have to have you back if you're up for it once um, we are, uh, well, we'd love to have you back frequently. In addition, once we are uh, moving out of COVID, would love to, which hopefully is sooner rather than later, I should knock on wood. Sure. But um, <laughs> yeah, but I can't thank you enough. This has been fantastic. And again, Rich Lepresti, who is the principal at Milestone Asset Management Group, and his email address will be in the show notes as he stated earlier as well. And uh, please stay tuned for another episode of Win the Future. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Win the Future podcast, sponsored by the strategic communications firm, A Better Campaign. Make sure to visit our website at abettercampaign.com backslash win the future. Please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and share it with your friends. Thank you for tuning in. Please tune in again next Thursday for another episode of Win the Future.